The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Run, you cretin! You're a fuckhead! That's what you are! A fucking shithead! It was a joke, Mark. I was joking. It was a Christmas joke. Hey everybody, welcome to the LD Brothers podcast, episode 49, Seasonal Beanings. My name's Laura, and even though it's May, Merry Christmas, Sean! My name is Sean, and Laura, it's way too early in the morning for me to be dealing with this. I need you to put a muzzle on it. <laughs> <laughs> we should explain, really, why it's so early in the morning for you, shouldn't we? Oh, yes. Uh, joining us today, all the way from Western Australia... The host of the Decline of Western Televisation podcast, we've got Keelan Wood on the show with us today. Hello. Hi, Hi Keelan. Keelan. So for you, Hi, Sean, you it's about 4am, isn't it? Yes, ma'am. It's 4am. Oh, yeah. that's. Is it still dark outside? Uh, yeah, it's going to be dark for like probably another hour and a half, two hours. So maybe by the time so we're done, I, the sun will be just peeking up over <laughs> the horizon. Yeah. And Keelan, for you, it's like five in the afternoon, yeah? Yes, it is. Yeah, you're and just... it's nine, no, it's ten o'clock in the morning here, so we're all in different places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we are. It's just a very strange situation, and I should clarify before people talk about the fact that I don't sound particularly Australian. Um, I was born in the UK, so there you have it. Yeah. Manchester, apparently, although I would never have guessed Manchester from your accent. No, I don't really sound like the Gallagher twins. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that actually kind of segues into my next part, which was, uh, Keelan, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, specifically, how did you discover Peep Show and what made you pick this particular episode? So Australia has a bit of a, well, Peep Show has a bit of a cult following in Australia. It's not as massive as it is in the UK, but it's probably bigger than it is in the US. And it's on not only Australian Netflix, but also on our streaming service, Stan, which is only available in Australia. So I knew of it, and I knew that I my brother really liked it, and I liked David Mitchell because I'd seen him on Would I Lie to You. That was all my knowledge of it. And then I had a friend who started posting memes of it, and I was like, this looks like the best thing I've ever seen. So I just started watching when it. Did you, when did you start watching it, Keelan? Was it when it was still airing in the UK? or was it No, it was recent? about surprisingly it was about a year ago i actually got into your podcast about shortly after i'd started finishing it oh wow right okay that's cr- and i just just fell head over heels it, I, it's still relatively new to me to come coming to think of it wow that's oh, crazy cool. mm. i assume that you had been like a long time fan of the show or something see i just have a terrible i've got a horrible paradox of my brain where I can't understand complex maths, but if someone says, hey, remember that episode of Peep Show from 2005? I'll go, oh, I, I know every line. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me like, too I just have yes. a brain for non-important things. It's wasting a lot of space in my brain, Peep Show. I think I often think this. I mean, if I had to sit an exam now, A, I think I'd be screwed. I was saying this to my year 11 <laughs> the other day. And B, there's too much Peep Show and other general shit in my head. <laughs> See, I'm like that with uh, Super Nintendo video games. Like, <laughs> I couldn't do trigonometry to save my life, but if you needed me to beat Super Metroid at with like 75%, <laughs> I could probably do that without even thinking about it. 
<laughs> I, I was a PlayStation kid myself. Ah, uh, okay. I think I'm a little older than you, though, so... Yeah. Like, um, but, yeah. You got your cartridges to blow, blow the dust out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the reason that Keelan is going to be on the show with us today is because he is one of our Patreon sponsors that is... And uh, he got to decide which episode. So, like, Keelan, what about this specific episode made you want to come on for this one? Well, I think a big part of it is I think it's probably the most accurate representation of Christmas in Britain I have ever seen. <laughs> we'll talk about this a little bit later, but there's a particular line regarding an argument being an everyday part of Christmas. Like, every year there has to be an argument. and that uh, I've honestly, underlined the, that exact same line, Keelan. <laughs> that is just the most identifiable thing I've ever heard. Because yeah. even though I li have lived in Australia longer than I've lived in Britain, my family are still British, so I've had Christmases where we've had very stupid arguments over nothing. So this episode, I think, is extremely relatable. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's funny because... My Christmases, uh, it, it seems like at least Christmases that I've experienced have generally been very, you know, chill and fun and everybody's just happy to see each other. I've never had like a super, oh, no, they are. super hostile Christmas before. Sorry, I've had mostly positive Christmases, but they've always had at least one argument in the middle of everything else. <laughs> see, me and Sean have discussed this before and we've got really different experiences of Christmas, I think. So it would be interesting to have someone talking about it who kind of gets that yeah sometimes christmas can be more trouble than it's worth <laughs> yeah i'd, I'd agree <laughs> <laughs> and then uh last thing is um uh maybe i'll move this to the end but why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast that you're doing keelan well i do a podcast called the decline of western televisation or television whatever you want to call it for the record, I apologise for the fire engines outside. There's been bushfires for the last few days. so um, I just realised that was the most Australian thing ever. Anyways, my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just talk about a different TV show every week. And it's, it's always hard, or bi-weekly I should say, but it's always hard because there's a very, very limited market on things that haven't been done before when it comes to podcasting, which I think is where you guys have cornered the market very well. Thank you. And I just I just went, well, I've got no originality in me, so I don't care at this point. I'm just going to embrace it, and I'm just going to talk about a different TV show each week because I enjoy doing it and see where it goes. I also link it heavily to my blog, so I'll, I'll frequently, from time to time, I'll bring up Twin Peaks just because I have a blog about that. So, Yeah. I do think it must be interesting to have the freedom, though, to talk about a different show every week, like I do, and that must be fun. It, it is fun. Uh, so far, I've done uh, well, the first episode was just all around in general Twin Peaks. I did an interview with someone else about Twin Peaks again. I did a BoJack Horseman episode, which I know Sean is very jealous he didn't get to be on. Oh yeah, I loved your BoJack Horseman episode. I thought it was fantastic. Um, who was the guest that you had on that episode? Because they were fantastic. Uh, Joshua Lozano. He's just a friend of mine. He does some stuff on YouTube, but he's kind of he's he's, he's still working his way up to the top, I guess. Oh, he was really good. I really enjoyed that episode a ton, by the way. Thank you. Um, so, now that we've kind of laid out the groundwork for where we are, who our guest is, and what we're doing, this episode is one that 
I really didn't remember very well. Like I remembered some beats of it, but I didn't really remember it that well. Um, so I kind of was coming into it with like a fresh ish kind of mind. What did you think of this episode coming in, Laura? Um, so I, it's one of those ones that we do watch at Christmas. I think it works sort of almost outside of the canon because other than um, Dobby and Mark being together, there's a lot of this. It's sort of not placed in time anywhere, I think, almost. So it has got a kind of Christmas special vibe about it. And I remember that. Um, yeah, I quite like it. My racing on this episode reflects that I quite like it. It's not my favourite of all the episodes, but it's it's definitely you know, an acceptable and funny episode of Peep Show, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. So that'll make it hard for me when I'm trying to pick out your uh, <laughs> ratings because I don't have Number. the list of yeah. your episodes in order yet. <laughs> no, because I've never typed them up for you. Sorry. <laughs> um. <laughs> so we kind of kick off this episode and it's the beginning of this episode is very funny because Jeremy kind of comes creeping into Mark's room and, you know, he's like, can I come in yet? And, you know, Mark tells him that, you know, he woke him up at five 30 in the morning and he's been trying to get to sleep since six. This just reminded me of when I was like a little kid and, you know, you would go creeping into your parents' room. I'm sure Laura, you probably have more recent experience with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, so I wrote next to my notes, adults who care about Christmas, this bunch of pricks, which I stand by, but I think that I, Jer- think that's I enjoy, <laughs> but I think that it's I, I enjoy that Jeremy has got this much is this invested in Christmas when this is so not his general personality. Like it's I, I really find it funny that Jeremy is so invested in Christmas, like he's about six years old. And, and but I do think that he was always deluded if he thought Mark was going to be on the same page as him about Christmas. I think that a part of Jeremy's character is very much that he probably didn't have the best childhood i mean don't, i don't think he had a terrible childhood but i think his just plain idiocy as an adult stems from something probably kind of psychologically strange i think his joy of christmas even though it's usually not like him probably is that way of trying to connect with his childhood i don't know i'm not a psychologist yeah I, is... I, I agree with you on i'm this just one, gonna yeah. throw something out there these two have known each other what seven eight years ten years probably at this point right i mean that's a safe assumption yeah wouldn't you think that Jeremy would, by now, realize Mark is a Scrooge? Yeah, I can only assume that they have never spent the Christmas pre- period together previously, and that Jeremy, if he loves Christmas so much, has always headed back to his mum's on like the twenty second of December and just stayed there. So well, I've I, maybe that. this is that is the yeah maybe this is their first Christmas where they're actually spending it. Oh together. yeah, I guess that is true because he does say this is. Uh, his first Christmas without his parents. So yeah, okay, I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Touché. But I do I do know what you mean because I've so I'm I mean I'll talk more about this in a minute, but I'm a bit of a Scrooge really when it comes <laughs> to Christmas. Especially Christmas with no children involved. And me and my best friend have spent we three Christmas days together in our sort of twenty year plus friendship. But she still knows we still know how the other one feels about Christmas. So I agree with you that it's a bit unrealistic that Jeremy wouldn't know anything about Mark's <laughs> attitude. Um Jeremy like uh, gets Mark's gift and he says it's slim but promising and then he crawls into Oh sorry, before you go oh, there Yeah, go ahead. Can I just comment on what Mark is reading? Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh uh, the Mar on is it Mar Wilson's on? Trade Union Reform. What is it Mar on? 
it's Harold Wilson, but that's very strange to me that a, a, a sort of Labour prime minister from the 60s and 70s would be something Mark would read about. Because <laughs> besides point, New Labour, yeah. besides New Labour, it doesn't seem Mark's interest or political perspective <laughs> at all. No, and he does say in uh, dance class, doesn't he, that he thought Tony Blair was a good idea. So yeah, that's it. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, you're completely right. Why would you be reading about Harold Wilson? <laughs> it also would be not not to get political, but it, I, it also would interest me whether this would be the '60s Wilson or the '70s Wilson, because I don't know if you know this, Sean, but I don't. Harold Wilson had a, was he was prime minister, and then someone else was prime minister. I believe it was Edward Heath, and then Harold Wilson was prime minister again. So instead of being like two terms, it was like two stints. Ah, okay. We have a president that's like that. I can't remember their name, though. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, I'm sure there's a president that did that, although I don't know which yeah. one. Um, so the, I've, this part is really funny where Jeremy crawls into bed with Mark, and Mark's like, Jesus, what are we doing? And uh, Jeremy says, oh, we're going to open our gifts in bed, aren't we? And Mark asks, what if our feet touch? And Jeremy just says, if our feet touch, then we fuck, obviously. Come on, let's dive in. <laughs> <laughs> um, it turns out at this point that Jez has put a lot of thought into the um, into the gift and into the, the stocking. And Mark proceeds to pull out just great gift after great gift. Mark has not put the same thought into the Jeremy's stocking because the first thing he pulls out is a pair of kitchen tongs. I, I really like this, yeah, Mark. His first gift is a nice bottle of cognac. Jeremy gets the kitchen tongs. Mark gets a book about Roy Adkins on Trafalgar. Jeremy gets some fire lighters. And then he asks why Mark got him fire lighters. And um, Mark just says, in case we get a barbecue, you know, outside, on the bit. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to ask you guys is um, Mark, Mark here says, you know, in my family, we do sort of jokey stockings. And Jeremy says, right, in mine, we try, we sort of try quite, quite hard. Do you guys have any, like, family traditions that surround Christmas? I have a friend who always has Christmas nachos because the tomatoes are red and the guacamole is green. So. <laughs> That's, uh, that is Christmassy, I guess. I've never really yeah, we, had anything in particular. We, so, um, it's not really a family tradition, it's a sort of family tradition in our family now. Um, we always go to a party at my husband's best friend's on Christmas Eve, um, or his best friend's parents throw a party, and it's really good, it's like the best bit of Christmas for me, and we've been going for 10 years, and we always have KFC on Christmas Eve, even though there's no there's no festive element implied but you know when you talk, i completely accept this now as being normal and all the people that go to the party there's like a hardcore sort of 15 20 of us that always go and the girls have always got every christmas of their lives so Sadie will now say oh so christmas eve kfc and i think she, that's going to be her weird thing she grows up with that is in no way christmas eve but we always do it <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything off the top of my head that is just a family thing that's personal to us. I will say that I'm with Mark on stockings being jerky presents. That's something that was just always, we get chocolate coins and we get, uh, I don't know if they have those in America actually, but uh, the, the chocolate that's wrapped in gold coins and we would get like maybe a book. Like that wasn't that yeah. expensive and that sort of thing. Yeah, us too. Our stockings were like pound shop tap rather than anything of any substance. I was going to say, we do have chocolate coins, Keelan, and we have running water here, too, so... 
I'm sorry, it's just always struck me as a very British thing for some reason, so I was just assuming... Well, I know you guys don't have Mars bars in America, what are you talking so I, about? I apologize. Mars bars are a very popular British in Australia. No, no, I know what Mars bar. bars are. We have those here. Okay, maybe they're just my friend from Connecticut doesn't have them then. Mars bars have come to the US. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was certain, I was certain, because a friend of mine was like, what the hell are you talking about? What is a Mars bar? And I'm like, how do you not know what this is? The, the thing that's really cracking me up about this episode is we have an American who's making assumptions about Australia, an Australian who's making assumptions about America, and then a Brit who's judging us both. <laughs> well, that is what we do best. I am judging you both, and so is the Queen. Um, it's true. So, uh, um... Mark is a little upset because Jeremy has given him really nice gifts and he says that it's not fair. It's just aggressive generosity designed to make him feel bad. Um, they kind of climb out of Mark's bed and they head off to the living room. And Jeremy here, you know, uh, makes this comment where he says, it's, you know, my first Christmas without mum." And Mark says, oh, because she's sailing around the med with Mr. Potato Head. Yes, I know, Jez. And then... That's when they see the Christmas tree, and this Christmas tree is freaking gigantic. Yeah, um, do you think Mr. Potato Head is the boyfriend that we saw in Jeremy's Mummy? Do you think that's still Mr. Potato Head, or do you think that's she's had I a thought. series of boyfriends? Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd have to assume, because weren't they looking for a house in Corfu? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's yeah. him as well, but um, I like that he doesn't use his name. I'm um, really hoping that house was not <laughs> In <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, the Christmas tree, like you say, is massive, and this really reminded me of my. So my best friend is, uh, if I'm a Scrooge, she's the polar opposite. She loves Christmas, and she insists that her husband and her she buy the biggest Christmas tree, like something that wouldn't look out of place in Sandringham, and it's it's like eight foot tall, and the room is is seven foot three, so it's always got that like at the top where it's reaching the ceiling, they can't get a star on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Nicole has to have me put the star on the tree. So, Jer <laughs> so Jeremy wants to make it to Christmas it up. So he, you know, says Just that they should cl crank up classic FM. Uh, Mark is still trying to. Yeah, that really hits me. One of my favorite things to do on Christmas. All right, so we have a channel in uh, a kind of like a Amer like I guess American cable is similar, but a, a, a thing called Foxtel, which is a TV box. I'm pretty sure it's owned by the same people who own Sky in the UK because it looks identical. But it's just all the paid premium channels, basically. Oh, gotcha. And they have Christmas... On Christmas, they have music video channels where it's all Christmas songs. And there's nothing better than making fun of how dated S Club 7's Christmas song is and that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's always really fun. I did write in my notes, what do you do to feel Christmassy? So you've got you've got your music channels. Is there anything you do to feel Christmassy, Sean? Uh, not really. I'm a as much as I love Christmas, I hate Christmas music. I mean, I do too. It is cheap for the most, for the part. most part, yeah. So. But I just think it's hilarious. Like I'm so cynical, and I embrace that on Christmas. So I'm just like, wow, look at how bad this song is. Isn't this wonderful? <laughs> In, so my thing, me, this is, is specific to me. This is not my husband. He laughs at this. But in order to feel Christmassy, I always watch The Muppets Christmas Carol. So this was a big part of mine and my sister Christmas growing up. And we now, we always watch it. 
anyway independently should. at home yeah of course but we also always go now to a sing-along uh showing of it in leicester square every year and obviously my daughter is only three she's not old enough to come and sing along yet so we've just been doing this for like five years every christmas and my husband just thinks it's brilliant that me and my 30 year old sister go to <laughs> leicester square to sing along with the muppets on the i think i'm doing December that next year. year i'm just gonna fly to the uk <laughs> it's brilliant it's if you want to feel christmasy that is how you do it go and sing along with two thousand strangers and wear a christmas jumper in leicester square it's it's just the best way to start christmas that sounds pretty cool i would imagine so I'm not gonna lie, that like Sadie. that sounds like a lot of fun. Sorry, it's it's really good. Yeah, it's really. I can't wait until Sadie's old. I think next year she'll be old enough to come yeah. with us. Um, Mark the cheapskate is still trying to scrape together gifts for people. Um, he has some shortbread cookies from Aberdeen in 2009, and this unread copy of Super Freakonomics. Um, he knows she'll hate it, but he thinks that that's a pretty acceptable bundle. Now. <laughs> One other question I had about this is Mark being a cheapskate because he doesn't have a job right now, or is he being a cheapskate because he's just generally a cheapskate? I, I would say both. Being a, yeah, I think he doesn't have a job, and that's been established in this series that he's a bit poor, but I think he would do this at Christmas yeah. anyway. Um, Jeremy says that it's exciting that the family is coming to Apollo House. Mark says not really, but the point is that he's in charge. He gets to carve the turkey. He gets to decide what veg they have, and there's not going to be any cauliflower because no one else has it. It's not a tradition. I, I really laughed when I first saw this episode because it is a tradition in my household. Cauliflower? I, I like. I said I like cauliflower as well. I, I would. I would always include cauliflower cheese in a Christmas dinner meal. So I'm a little bit on Mark's dad's side here. <laughs> One thing I like though is that I can definitely identify with this. Uh, I think this is probably more of a guy thing than a. a woman thing but this whole like this is my house i'm gonna carve the turkey i'm gonna decide what we do you know like asserting this control over your dad i think is like the ultimate absolutely you know like sign that you are a man and that you are out on your own and it's totally pathetic yeah. but it's it's absolutely what we all do <laughs> yeah i've witnessed it with my own eyes that it, i definitely especially since we've had children i've definitely seen my husband do that where his dad has stepped down. He's retired from the role of in charge, and now my husband's doing it. <laughs> um, Jeremy has one idea of how they're going to celebrate the day, which is lunch at three, but you do presents first. Mark wants to have lunch at one, and then charades, then the lull, then the low countries, then the row, the cold cuts, and then bang into a blockbuster, see you at home. But Jeremy does not want to celebrate Christmas that way, <laughs> and Mark just tells him, well, that's what we're doing. And this was the line I think that me and Keelan were referring to earlier yes. where um, Mark references the row that they always have. Uh, definitely, for me growing up, we had... So, in brief, we had a sort of weird family situation where my dad wasn't brought up by his actual parents. He was brought up by a series of relations and one of whom was his grandmother who was a fucking bitch. I think it, I think <laughs> that it'd be fair to say, God rest her racist soul, but she was a nightmare. And Christmas was always punctuated by great nan coming round and there being her and my dad having some sort of huge row. So I completely understand this being built into the Corrigan Christmas as it was built into mine. Um, Mark and Jeremy head into... The I would give you some... Sorry. No, go ahead, Keel. 
I'm really bad at this. I would give you some stories, but I think like Sod's Law family members will actually end up hearing this and go, wow, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Cheers. I've, I think the fact that, that we both agree and the fact that it's written into this episode tells you that it must be very common for mm. people, particularly people in Britain, to have massive rows on Christmas every year. And to ki- kind of kick off the massive rows, uh, Jeremy and Mark head into the kitchen to start the turkey. Um, Mark looks at Jeremy and just says, where's the turkey? Jeremy just looks back at Mark and says, what? And uh, Mark again asks about the turkey. Jeremy says he thought that Mark was getting the turkey. And we get the very infamous scene um, where Mark just says, no turkey, you fucking idiot. Jeremy, you're a fucking idiot. That was your job, you fucking moron. And he calls him a fucking shithead, too, just for extra punctuation. And then Jeremy just... I will share... What's that? I will share a specific Christmas story where this was actually referenced. Oh. Um, but the way I like... The thing that I really like about this scene is the it super hurt look on Jeremy's face. And he goes, it was a joke, Mark. <laughs> I was joking. It was a Christmas joke. <laughs> I um I did write in my notes when so then um Joey opens the fridge to show the the turkey the organic turkey he took ages researching online and I did write down what Mark didn't see the turkey the size of my one year old daughter in his fridge it's fucking massive <laughs> it's taking up the whole fridge what Mark didn't see that in the last two days that it's clearly been there yet again what is it with this show's obsession with turkey it's referenced (laughs) like three or four times in the whole series like for multiple different reasons in fact someone actually did on the project zeus group or whatever they posted uh mummy inside the fridge when he said it's an organic turkey (laughs) that's awesome of course that's a good point isn't it um yeah because they do because they does say it's just hairy turkey doesn't they But I, I, I was going to mention this earlier, but I, I let Sean finish because I'm a horrible uh, blabberer. But <laughs> but I um, actually one Christmas there were some problems with the sprouts where they were underdone, which yet again is another another issue we'll come to in this episode. And my brother was the only one who was being calm about it and said under his breath, no fucking turkey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next scene we have here, uh, we have Dobby... It looks like that she's ridden a bike over to Mark's house. She's got like a jacket and a helmet and like a little safety uh, belt. Her face is like beet red and she's just sweating profusely. Um, Mark says that she's really sweaty. A lovely sweaty Christmas gift. Is it me or is that a bit wrong? It is a little bit wrong, isn't it? Um, Yeah, I mean... It's not the wrongest thing that Mark does to Dobby in this entire episode, so... Whatever floats your boat, but like just to think that when your girlfriend is there sweating is a bit strange to me. <laughs> I enjoy that she cycled over on Christmas Day as well. Yeah. Yeah, she seems like the kind of hipster that would, you know, eschew a car and just ride a bike everywhere. Uh, she explains that she's got a day out with her parents. She's got a stomach pump ready for mum and a taser to demobilise her dad. Um, and she says sort of in a jokey way, like, oh, families. And Mark agrees, but then tells... A fucking brilliant anecdote, which is just the most sinister thing. She says that the year... that So, you know, Dobby's kind of joking, and Mark then tells quite a, a, a sad story of, I would say, domestic abuse, where <laughs> the year that his... Um, the year that his father's aerospace, British aerospace shares went kaput, which 
if you've ever seen the extras from the series one DVD, Mark explains that was when he was taken out of public school and thrown into the state system. Oh, really? Um, oh, I forgot he, all about that. Yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so this was clearly a terrible time in their family. They were obviously very poor because Mark could no longer attend his prestigious public school. And as well as all that, as well as the trauma of having to go to POV school, um, he also, um, his dad said that they couldn't afford a Marks and Spencer's Christmas pudding. So they secretly bought one and steamed it in the garage and they would have got away with it. But the dad smelt it on his sister's breath and didn't talk to him until Boxing Day. <laughs> what is a M&S Christmas pudding? It's a brand. Yeah, it's a, an upmarket shop. The Christmas puddings from there definitely would be nice. I've never had one, but they definitely would be. Okay, well, I guess my question is, um, I probably didn't phrase this question properly then. What is a Christmas pudding? What? Oh, so it's like a steamed... <laughs> <laughs> it's a steamed suet-based pudding that is, is like raisins and sultanas and orange and it's gelatinous and you set fire to it at the christmas table i'm really shocked that this isn't a thing over there sounds delicious you mm. put brandy on it and then you set fire to it and that's like the high point of christmas dinner it is not very nice i don't think no, there's I don't like that it. actually like it very much no it's um t- in order to stomach it you've got to put a fuckload of cream on it that's the way you get it down <laughs> oh it's like it's like conscription pudding in this country you've got to have a bit but you won't enjoy it if you guys want to know why I've never heard of it, according to uh, Google, the region or state that it's active in is UK, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and Canada, not the United States. So I've never heard of this gross abomination. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Everywhere that we colonized. There you go. That's that's who's having to suffer this disgusting... That must have been what it was. As soon as independence was declared in America, the Tea Party basically said, right, no more Christmas puddings. No more <laughs> suet-based puddings. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Mark, Mark and Davi do their gift exchange, and um, uh, he Mark is trying to like he makes this excuse where you know he goes, "I got you just a little thing. Um, I did get you another thing, but the stupid thing didn't arrive in time." And he then he kind of just casually mentions it is gold. Davi says that that sounds nice because you can't go wrong with precious metal, precious metals. Because when civilization collapses, she can use it to barter her way out of sexual assaults. And Mark just thinks, eh, they'll probably just take the golden shooter. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, they then swap present. Well, they've swapped presents. They then Dobby then gives her present to Mark, um, and he opens it to find that it is the flash forward box set. <laughs> um, Dobby's very excited about this, and she says, "Shall we watch it this week?" But Mark isn't so sure. He references having watched Lost with her Heroes and Prison Break and clearly has not been a fan of any of those three shows. I've not seen any of these four shows. Uh, I kind of want to see Lost, but I've got to admit um, there is no more 2010 television references than Flash Forward, Heroes and Prison Break. Like That is... That, no one talks about those shows anymore. So I really liked Flash Forward. I remember it being really good, but it only went into one season. It had Joseph Fiennes in it, if I remember correctly. And it was really good. I'm not saying it was bad. <laughs> it's just that no one ever talks about it anymore. No. Um, I did watch the first series of Lost, but then lost interest when it started to go weird. And Prison Break, I didn't watch, but my boyfriend at the time loved it. And didn't it have... Did, is that the one that had... Oh, no, that was The Wire that had Dominic um, yeah. thingy in it. Yeah. No, but no, no. Prison, Prison Break, Break my... had Dominic Purcell in it. No, not Dominic Purcell, the English guy who's in The Affair now. Oh. 
course, the um, English guy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he plays an American in it, but he um he was in the wire. But yeah, so I've never apart from I did watch Lost. I didn't watch Heroes. Prison Break, I sort of knew a bit because my boyfriend had it on the whole time. Lost was the show that pretty much got me back into TV because I had pretty much stopped watching TV at that point. Um, I discovered Lost at about episode three or four, and I just started watching it, and that was like kind of the show that got me back into television. Uh, Heroes, I really enjoyed the first season of Heroes, but then after the second season, it just kind of went off in this really weird random directions and it just got really uninteresting and then prison break was sort of the same way where the first season was really good the second season was really cool the third season i was like the fuck is this and then (laughs) the fourth season i literally watched the fourth season premiere of prison break and was like yeah fuck this shit um and then i only watched one episode of flash forward but i thought it was cool Uh, i just never watched any more of it it was good. I was sad when they didn't recommission it. But were you one of the people, Sean, watching Lost who was pissed off by the ending? Uh, no, I actually really liked the ending. I find it really interesting, Laura, that you stopped watching it when it got weird. Because for, for me, with any show, that's when I get in hooked. Is when they try I think you know what it was? Is I, know, I normally like weird shit. And I'm quite into weird shit, but I was watching it with a friend, and I think we just agreed that life was too short. I think that was basically <laughs> that we were like, look, you know what, actually, this is taking up way too much of our brain space. It's not compelling enough. I have often thought, oh, I'll go back to it, but now I know how it ends. Oh, fair enough, Thanks, I don't, so. No, I'm, I'm, joking, I'm joking, Sean, I knew how it ended, but now I know how it ends. It's like, oh, what's the point, actually? As they're kind of going on, uh, Dobby's phone rings, and we find out uh, that her sister's car is broken down and her mom and dad are in Lancaster. Did I say that right? Yeah, Lancaster. Yeah. Yeah. And they're stuck at Sharnock. Hold on. Is that a, yeah. Sharnock Richard. I don't know. Yep. Yep. All right. You've nailed that. Okay. Good. Good. Then they, (laughs) uh, Davi says that she's just, she doesn't want to go to Dorchester to eat Christmas lunch on her own, like a millionaire mad woman. And Mark has this kind of, crisis of conscience where he's trying he thinks he should invite her to stay and he's like not he doesn't want to but the pressure is mounting the pressure is mounting the pressure is mounting uh, while all this is going on Dobby opens up her gift and she's like kitchen tongs and Mark just thinks to himself yeah two for one <laughs> I am um, this I laughed at this because I had uh, said so the notorious boyfriend whose stuff I burnt in a bin. He was a very bad gift buyer. It probably won't shock anyone to hear. And the year I was, oh, was it? I think it was the last Christmas we were together. He bought me a Johnny Depp calendar, and I'm not a fan, <laughs> and a Sudoku book, and I'm not, I'm not a Sudokuer either. So I, I, I really. I really identified with this. I'm surprised he didn't get me a pair of kitchen tongs. My attitude <laughs> about Johnny Depp is uh, pre-Pirates, good. Post-Pirates, fuck off. Yeah. Um, anyways, so uh, Davi just is kind of like, uh, I'll see if Mr. Patel has any turkey, which obviously he won't. Mark is still like trying not to invite Davi over. And then For the record, finally... how many times is Mr. Patel mentioned in this show? I kind of want to see who this guy is. <laughs> yeah, old, horrible, unfriendly Mr. Patel. Doesn't judge you if you're buying gay porn, but doesn't have any turkeys either. 
<laughs> yeah. I just want to see what kind of shop this is that you can go get hardcore gay porn, but then, like, also they don't have turkey. <laughs> see, we have some Indian sort of corner shops in Australia that will sell pretty much anything, mostly Indian cuisine, Indian foods, but will also sell weird pirate DVDs. So I can't be surprised that amongst the Bollywood set there might be some porn there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have these shops. Like, there's one about 200 yards from my house, and definitely I wouldn't be surprised if you selling pornography along with the, like, samosas, knockoff, like, dodgy books, and <laughs> otherwise, like, you could buy anything in there. Pens, washing up liquid, uh, it's just, yeah. <laughs> um, Mark wonders if he could just lock Dobby in the bathroom, but there's no lock on the outside so he is out of lock so he mark then goes through to the kitchen to see jeremy and he reminds jeremy that he should be putting little crosses in the bottom of the brussels sprouts jeremy thinks he's not going to be doing doing that so happy christmas to him um and mark breaks the news that obviously it's a disaster but dobby will be staying for christmas lunch and jeremy doesn't give Mark the reaction he wants. He just says, oh, lovely, more the merrier. Yeah. Um, again, Mark and Jeremy have another conversation about food where um, Mark asks Jeremy about the potatoes. Jeremy says he didn't get the potatoes because that wasn't his area. Mark reminds him that he was on turkeys and veg, and then they go into this long conversation about are potatoes a vegetable? <laughs> Jeremy thinks that they're not earth but like salt. I mean, tomatoes are fruit and potatoes are bread, but they're weedy and they don't go in the fridge. So they're not vegetables. I was watching this episode sort of by myself as my father was doing jobs on Christmas Day. And I remember, might have been last year, and I remember it was, he's not really a Peep Show fan, but he really laughed at this line that potatoes are considered bread. Because I think that's just such an interesting observation. <laughs> yeah um, and then uh jeremy says look we've always got potatoes and we must have potatoes and mark says yeah two three potatoes is it yeah three potatoes two potatoes sorry and jeremy says oh that's not enough because they're the best bit and mark says look you think everything's the best bit carver <laughs> smoked salmon having the heating up incredibly high it's clear that jeremy just enjoys all these elements of christmas yeah um Dobby kind of comes in in like a toweling robe, kind of toweling her hair, and she asks if everything's all right. And Mark says, yeah, everything's perfect, apart from the fact that Jeremy's forgotten to buy the potatoes. And um, Dobby says, well, I've got potatoes at mine, plus really for your mom and dad, I should get changed. And Mark thinks, oh, yeah, that's nice. A nice standard issue British woman's dress. Why did he think that Dobby was going to be wearing a dress? Yeah, I've never seen Dobby in a dress, let alone a standard issue, Mark Spencer's woman's issue dress. Um, and that is proven in the next scene where Dobby's back and Mark says, oh, you look lovely. But actually she's wearing jeans and he's not impressed with that. <laughs> and she also doesn't have potatoes. No, she hasn't bought potatoes, you're quite right. Mark. Uh, so then we hear Jeremy on the phone and he's talking to his mom and he's like, Christmas in Malta, it's 30 degrees. What do you mean you're not having turkey? That's not turkey. It's not even chicken. And then uh, he, you can tell that Jeremy's mom having this very atypical Christmas is is doing kind of a dent on him because he says, I'm going to go have a massive drink. And Mark gives one of my favorite lines here. Uh, it's don't break down on Christmas, break down on Boxing Day, 
which is such a lack of empathy there from Mark, but I don't really blame him from, for thinking that. It's actually a very understandable thing to say. Yeah. Um, Dobby then says she's really excited to meet Mark's parents. Um, it's like everything you've told me, it's like they're famous. Um, and Mark says, look, he's obviously trying to be as tentative, as, as sort of tentative as Mark ever is. He's clearly trying to be sort of mean for what thoughtful about her feelings here but he says i've not actually got around to telling my parents or my sister that i'm engaged in a relationship so you know and she says it's over a month and he says yeah but you know i don't want to basically you know give him another shit sandwich and she's like uh, offended as you would be by this yeah i wrote a note here that says i know it goes without saying but why does dobby put up with so much emotional abuse from mark Dobby is way too nice of a person to put up with his bollocks. I would agree. Yeah, I've written in my notes. I don't know why she puts up with this. I'm no Dobby fan, but I did cheer when she eventually, spoilers, breaks away from him because he's, he is just horrible to her. And at this point, wouldn't you have thought she would have said, you know what, Mark? You're punching well above your weight here anyway, so I'm going to be fucking off <laughs> and not spending Christmas with you to pretend to be your mate. See, I yeah. really think Mark's an arsehole in general. As much as I find hilarious, I think that's well established on this show. But I, yeah. in a way, even though this is a terrible thing he's doing and it's horribly uncomfortable to sit through, I do feel like I understand his motives, which is always the strength of Peep Show. I feel like a lot of I know a lot of people, particularly British people, who once they move out, don't want to communicate with their parents and just don't ever want to talk to them unless they have to, and just make small talk if they have to. And I can see why Mark ill-advisedly, but perhaps for fair reason, doesn't want to talk to his parents about his girlfriends. Yeah, I guess I can see it that he's not long been out of the relationship with Sophie. That wedding was a disaster. He's now had a baby, which his parents probably aren't approving of. As he's or even aware Sophie. of, for all we so know. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, but I do get... I completely understand his motives, but I just think, from Dobby's point of view, that she should fuck him off oh, right absolutely. right now. Yeah, I also really like this part where Jeremy just, he comes in and you can tell he's starting to get a little mm. sloshed and he just says, maybe we should have salad and soise. Why the <laughs> fuck not? Who even cares? <laughs> um, then the doorbell rings and Mark says, enemy contact, this is it, action stations everyone, and just basically treats this like it's a war as he does with everything and <laughs> opens the door with an overly jolly Happy, happy Christmas, one and all. And his sister, who we've met before, she immediately sort of rolls her eyes and says she's shattered. She wants a glass of champagne. And uh, Mark says, of course, the carver's in here. And she just sort of goes, ugh, carver. Yep, and Mark thinks, great, five seconds before the first disappointment. Got that in early. <laughs> Mark does the introductions, uh, says to his parents that obviously you know Jeremy. Um, and he says, happy Christmas, Corrigan's. And then Mark says, this is our friend, and introduce sort of gestures to Dobby, who says, hi, I'm Dobby. And Mark says, we know each other. That's the <laughs> most he's willing to admit. Yes, this is a person I'm slightly acquainted with. They're going to be joining us for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Mark thinks it's fine. Luckily, we're all English, so no one's going to ask any questions. Thank you, centuries of emotional repression, which I think on an almost daily basis, I am very grateful that, people, that we are English and no one asks any questions quite often. <laughs> this is one of my favourite lines as well. I totally identify with that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's just, it's weird to me because as an American, I don't really, I don't really get this, like, uh, this aspect of British culture, but it's been one of my favourite 
things to kind of explore as Laura and I have done this podcast is this, you know, why Mark is the way he is. And I think this episode is also like a great reason to show why Mark is the way he is. Well, I think British culture yeah. can be a problematic thing in that sense. But on the flip side, I was talking to an Australian friend of mine and they, I was tell, explaining this sort of perspective to them and they said, oh, okay, so if there's like a couple having sex on the table just randomly in public, you just won't say anything. And I'm like, sort of. And they're like, well, that's just being polite. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best and worst features of Englishness, I think. And it's, uh, yeah, it's caused a lot of problems historically. Still, it's caused a lot of problems, but sometimes I'm just grateful yeah, that no sure. one asked any difficult questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, we find out that Mark's mom is a playwright. Uh, Dobby thinks that that's pretty cool. Um, she says that her newest, and by she, I mean Mark's mom, who's, I believe her name is Pam, um, explains that her new play is about a group of young people who are very sexually repressed, but they become less and less repre repressed due to the influence of this wise, twinkly old Jamaican woman who leads them through a series of experiences. I was just going to ask, do you think that she's maybe using this as a metaphor for her own life? Probably. Definitely. I think that, yeah, we know that she's had rumoured infidelities. I think it's fair to uh, to take from this that she probably is, I don't know, tutoring some young people in the art of sex. <laughs> also, the look on Mark and Jeremy's face at this moment is wonderful. Yeah, this really reminds me of, so my best friend's mother-in-law, who is a real character and a great, just yeah, a lot of fun, but I could see if she was your mum, this would be horrifying. And she's the sort of woman who, around a dinner table for her son's 40th birthday, would just start talking about when she lost her virginity or about some fling she had when she lived in Paris 40 years, 50 years ago. And it's very funny for me because she's my best friend's mother-in-law. But <laughs> if she's your mum, I imagine that would be horrifying. And I, I get that vibe from Pam. Very funny for everyone else. My best friend's mum is very much like this. Not so much sexually, but just openness. And she's a yeah. nurse, so that's probably why. But a great story is when uh, uh, my best mate's mum found his bong. And she just went, oh, why do you put water in it? And he was like, um... And she was like, I don't really care, dude. <laughs> very funny situation. Yeah. Um, Mark, Mark tries to change the subject and asks if they should pull a cracker. And Jeremy just says, no, no, no. You can't do crackers until you sit at the tables. Crackers once you sit, that's the rule. I mean, I'm with Jeremy on this. He's putting crackers when you're nearly not at the table. Come Agreed. On. <laughs> yeah. Um, at this point, Mark's dad accidentally spills a little bit of the kava on the carpet. And, um, you know, there, Mark just says, you know, come on, dad, like, calm down. The carpet's seen worse. And then Sarah's like, you jizz the kava just like you jizz the directions. And Jeremy, all of a sudden, his ears perk up and he's like, the fuck is this? Yeah, um, and she explains that they got it from Mark. It's an expression they use in their family. It's for when you uh, get something wrong, you jezzed <laughs> it. And Dan, Mark's dad, says, yeah, when it's a total balls up, we say it's a real jezzing. Jeremy's clearly very upset by this, but he then sort of sighs and says, it's okay, it's a bit like being famous. And this is an aspect of... Jeremy's character that I really like where when people are making fun of him and it clearly bothers him but he's just like uh well fuck it I guess I'm just gonna lean into it 
Yeah. Um, at this point, the doorbell rings and Jeremy says, I'll go and see who it is. Let's hope I don't jizz it or do a big mark in my pants. Savage. That is the probably <laughs> my favourite response from Jeremy on this whole show to anything. It's just perfect. For the record, I forgot oh. to mention earlier regarding Mark's dad. Uh, we had probably the first uh, ingling that he might not be the nicest person. And Mark has always been right about this when he says, uh, you've got to have a Jamaican to to get the funding chase the funding yeah. oh yeah elf and, I, um, elf and safety isn't it which i don't know what health <laughs> and safety has to the... do with this no hmm. i think he's just sort of making fun of that kind of left-wing ideology i did write in my notes that whilst he's as horrible as i expected he wasn't completely what i expected no. did you from everything mark said about his dad was this what you were expecting i guess it doesn't surprise me that his dad is a you know like horrible racist <laughs> i'm more sh- shocked by his eccentricity i was expecting a much more straight-laced kind of abusive father who was funny in a yeah me too way, whereas this is just pure yeah fun. like a like standard daily mail dad was what i was expecting yes. rather than dan who like you say is a bit eccentric i also take issue with his name because i think dan wouldn't be called dan i think he would be called by his full name and not Everyone's calling him Dan, and he's if he's like a straight-laced guy. Hello, mummy. Oh, you're back, are you? Nice to see you again. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's Isn't not entirely what I expected. Mate, 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 Oh, cool. If you're going to be here, you've got to be quiet, though, yeah? Yeah, so then Jeremy goes to open the door, and it's super hands, and he's got a, just a big bag of grass for him. He tells him... You know, there's a wicked big bag of Sinister Minister, and, um, you know, before anything can really happen, Davi kind of comes over and says, Super Hands, Merry Christmas, Glass of Kava, uh, Super Hands. No, that's just... what Dobby, that's Sarah. Oh, was that Sarah? I thought it was Davi. Yeah, okay. Sarah, she's, she does, like, this faux cockney. All right, Hans, Merry Christmas, Glass of Kava. And I enjoy that Sarah is, is Super Hands' mate here. Clearly, they we know they met at the party, but clearly they've met before, and I like that Sarah's trying to be super handsy. Yeah, and super hands just says, don't mind if I do, mind out boys, father spliffness coming through, and <laughs> this is just also increasing Mark's um, anxiety, because now, in addition to Davi, he's also got to deal with hands. Yes, uh, he says to Jeremy that this is all your fault and he's like how's it my fault and he's like well you should you know him you shouldn't know him and Jeremy says oh well I'm sorry but I do know him <laughs> yeah I kind of love the fact that you've got basically a drug dealer who just happens to be their friend spending time at the apartment on Christmas I think that is got to be one of the worst situations any normal person would want to have with their family on Christmas Mark thinks very migraine and a happy new stomach ulcer <laughs> yep and then to add on to what Keelan says, the first question that Pam, Mark's mother, asks Super Hands is, what kind of business is he in? And before Hands can answer, Mark just says, or excuse me, I guess uh, Hands just says, at the moment I take out fireplaces and so on from empty houses. Uh, Mark says that it's architectural salvage. <laughs> and um, then Mark's dad is a little interested in this, and he says, <clears throat> and do you sell to trade or wholesale? Um, and then Hans just says, I sell them in 
pubs in that and then mark <laughs> clarifies that hans is training to be an architect to which hans responds no i'm not <laughs> they then have a conversation about what dobby does um she says she's an it grunt and pam asks if she's got a boyfriend dobby says she sort of does she likes it and everything but sometimes he can be a bit of a jerk and so on <laughs> uh he, she then goes on to say that he seems cool but he can can be kind of cowardly and mean and does things that humiliate me and then I think, why don't you just... And Mark thinks, please don't say fuck off. And she says, fuck off. You know, fuck off. I've always been in the middle on Dobby. I don't love her. I don't hate her. I kind of agree what, with your opinion of Alora. She just doesn't bother me, so to speak. But uh, oh, mm. I don't know why I said so to speak. Anyways, um, she doesn't bother me. But this is one of my favourite Dobby scenes because she is just has every right to be doing this right now. And I completely am behind her on it. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Mark then thinks that this is horrible because she's found a way of telling her telling her true feelings to him <laughs> without actually having to do it. Sneaky. Very British. Very British, yeah. Uh, at this point, Mark's mom gives Mark his stocking and there's a uh, pair of little stockings in there, or socks, rather. And he says, thanks, mom. And she points out that they've got a funny... And then Mark is just like, oh... Oh, and then his mom's like, they're a bit saucy. And he just thinks, you know, she's giving me socks depicting a sexual position. I've never attempted how little she knows me. (laughs) As much as I love this line, I've always thought it could have been much, it would have made much more sense if he said a sexual position I didn't even know existed. I think that would have been even funnier. Uh, Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, To carry on the sort of saucy feel of the conversation... Hans asks uh, Pam if she's ever had a parrot, to which she says she hasn't, and he says, oh, because that's that's weird, because it looks like you might enjoy a cockatoo. <laughs> Rather than being horrified by this, Mrs. Corrigan it, thinks this is hilarious, laughs, and says, oh, you're very cheeky, Hans. And Mark suddenly has images of Super Hans bonking his mum in the air and covered doggy style. It's the sort of Do thing... Do you think Mark's mom got the the sexual innuendo of that joke? Uh, yes, I do. I think she did. Um, then Mark gets his griff- gift from his dad, and he's, you know, impressed because it's very heavy. Um, he opens it up, and, and it's his dad's old shredder. And then this is where kind of Dobby, like, starts to kick in here. This is where it degenerates, I think it would be fair <laughs> to say. She points out that Sarah's gifts a cashmere jumper, a spa rope, were far better uh, than Mark's. What did he do to offend you that he's got a secondhand shredder? Uh, Mark thinks, why did she have to say this? I'm going out with a sayer. The sayers say they can't help saying, but they can. And Pam is very defensive. She says that if it was new, which it almost is, it would be roughly the same cash value. Uh, And Mark thinks, this is nice. I might bite bite my tongue off to relieve the tension, give us something to talk about. I also like like this part where Davi says, why are you looking at me like that? And Mark is just like, what? (laughs) <laughs> and she says, like, you're trying to fry my brain out with laser vision. <laughs> I gotta say, I um, I love the the sayer can't say, they don't say they say, but they can line. And just the Mark's delivery of it is brilliant. But is it, ju- is it just that they're trying to sound like Dr. Zeus because it's hilarious? Or is that a legitimate reference to something? Because I feel like that's a reference to something. Oh, I don't know that it's a reference to something. Uh, not, I've not heard it before. It's definitely very Susy, and I'll, I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah. Um uh so then uh Dan asks how the cauliflower's getting on and Mark 
uh, zings in by saying that it's just resting in the shop due to the fact that cauliflower is not traditional. And then he gets up and leaves the room so Dan doesn't have any time to respond. And he's very proud of himself and he thinks, didn't give him a chance to respond. Nice. I should try leaving the room after I say anything to him. Much easier to deal with. Yeah. Mark strides out into the kitchen to find Jez almost crying over the turkey, who, when he asks what's going on, says it's all fine. He doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, Huge areas of it are cooked through, but it isn't completely cooked, the turkey. (laughs) Why would Mark even trust Jeremy with cooking the turkey anyway? He doesn't trust Jeremy with anything. Yeah, that's a good point. And also, they had this conversation at, what, 8 in the morning? And it's now, what, 2 in the afternoon? That turkey should have been in the oven for a long, long time. Yes. It was a massive turkey. Surely Mark would have foreseen this. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is I don't understand how Jeremy fucked up this turkey so bad when literally all you do is heat the oven up to a certain temperature, pop the turkey in, and let it cook for, like, six hours. Yeah, I think he's just not been in for long enough. Yep. Um, next we get, we go to the living room where everybody is playing charades or charades, depending on what country you live in. Um, uh, is this a part of, of Christmas over there? Do you play charades? I, we play charades. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so it's, uh, it's universal Christmas game, clearly. Yes. I don't know that it's a universal Christmas game. I mean, I don't play it for, I don't think I've ever played it for Christmas. What? But, uh, oh, okay, but you have okay. played it. Jesus oh. Christ, you guys are making making me feel like uh, I've been missing out on something <laughs> my entire life. No, it's just very cultural differences always shock me. It's something I maybe I think Laura is probably used to it because she's done this podcast with you for a long time. But there's plenty of things that just I would imagine Laura would be the same as me, as me on the first episode she was on. Like, how do you not know about this? Oh yeah, I've got used to Sean's weirdness now. But yeah, there's a there are there's a huge huge cultural differences between us. But then that which is the same is is more than that which is not. True. And that is why we work so well together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> synergy. So, yeah, synergy. So first first person up is Mark, and he says it's a film, three words, and um. No, it's his mum's up. And it's Chariots of Fire, which Mark guesses because she always does Chariots of Fire. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Which is a great film, um, but I can not understand why it's the sort of film that would immediately come to mind. <laughs> she says it's that she always says it's the only one she can think of. But so why she would it be the only Mark's one ear. you think of? Like, okay, Star Wars, Gone with the Wind, <laughs> Titanic. No, no, Chariots of Fire. All right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, she whispers into Mark's ear, Emmanuel. And Mark's like, oh, really? Oh, this is horrible. And he doesn't know how he's going to do it. Um, And then he thinks the terrible thing is this is the high point of the day. This is us allegedly having a great time. Um, I like the movies that they guessed where they guessed Bruno, which I think was probably topical because I'm imagining that Bruno had just come out when this episode came out. I personally think that movie is average. I I find Sasha Baron Cohen very clever, but often a bit much to stomach. But I didn't feel yeah, I felt I don't... the same way about Borat as I did Bruno. <clears throat> Great moments, weak moments. Overall, just wasn't my thing. None of See, it's Ali G, is it? So no, the Ali G show is. Yeah, that perfection. was his funniest incarnation. Yeah. Hang on, what do you want, Sadie? I need a mint. I think the outside because I'm just very Oh, we haven't got any mints, I don't think. I think there's some mints in the room. 
All right, go and have a look in my room then. Sadie's trying to do the Mento challenge with no Mentos. What are you? Why is Daddy letting this happen? Where's Daddy? Well, that's very. That takes me back. I didn't know that was still a thing. You want to do an experiment? All right. I, there might be some mints upstairs, but I don't know where. I, I, why is the other one here now? Let's just carry on. <laughs> I think I kind of love your kids now. Um, yeah, so the other films that Dan guesses as Mark is uh, doing his charade are Milk and Brokeback Mountain, obviously in reference to the fact that he thinks Mark is a quote-unquote Nancy boy, which comes up later. Um, and Mark decides to do a hip thrust and Jeremy immediately guesses Emmanuel correctly. And then uh, uh, Dan kind of motions Jeremy over to him and he says, I've got one for you. And he just whispers in Jeremy's ear, thus spoke Zarathusa. And Jeremy just is like, the fuck? And Dan says, <laughs> is that a real it's a book film? By... Or book or whatever. It's a book by Nietzsche. Yeah, Nietzsche. Yeah. See, I like a lot of anti-mainstream stuff, whether it be film or otherwise, but or books. But you can fuck off, Dan. No one wants to hear about this on Christmas. <laughs> Yeah. No. Um, Jay's decides that he's not going to do Thus Spake as Zarathustra and instead, said that instead decides to do Chicken Run by doing the universal arm gesture for chicken wings and Superhands guesses it straight away. And yeah, I like this part where Jeremy just says correct and as he walks past Dan, Jer- Dan just goes but and Jeremy just thinks to himself, fuck you, Dan. And then he looks at him and says, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you said Chicken Run. Um... We then cut to uh, later yeah. on where Mark is practicing doing shredding with his new shredder. Uh, says he guessed it was time to cut, move to crosscut because his old strip cut was probably a security risk. And Dan says that's a real shredder, not a Nancy boy shredder. And then Mark thinks the office equipment homophobe. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the food has come out and. Uh, Everyone is getting ready to eat. Uh, Mark says Happy Christmas and then stops Dan from, from reaching for the carving knife and thinks that now it's his turn to carve. The baton has been passed on. <laughs> and this was the point where Mark became a man. This is where he finally told his dad in not so many words to just fuck off. I don't think he ever yeah, did, to be uh, fair, but, but if, if this was the first step, then sure. Yeah, the knife has been passed down the generations. Um the they notice that the, the turkey isn't entirely cooked um and jeremy says no carve off the bits that are cooked and leave the rest that's what carving's for we'll put the carcass under the grill <laughs> which obviously isn't true but i've got to admit it obviously sounds isn't true, true but is a is a method could work uh, and then pam notices that there's something wrong with her knife <laughs> um da- uh, super hands asks if it is that a hot knife and Pam says, what's a hot knife? Mark tries to just play it off by saying nothing. But, you know, then Superhands leans over and he says, it, you know, it, it does look like it's been hot knifed. Uh, sorry about that, Pam. Here you go. And Dobby, of course, just can't help, help herself. And she says, it's when you get a blim of hash, get it between two really hot knives and then honk it up through a bottle or something, I think. And <laughs> um, Mark then laughs in the most uncomfortable way a man possibly can laugh and says next up we'll be learning how to inject heroin into our armpits <laughs> by the way yeah. i and, want to see super uh, hands in, in like a train spotting remake is that something we can petition for <laughs> that would be good i think he should have been in the the second one the uh the one that came out last year 
We have um, sort of a relationship with Matt King. Maybe we'll petition this. <laughs> yeah, we'll ask him. <laughs> um, then they are sitting around waiting for their turkey and um, Jeremy thinks, oh God, foot in the crotch. And we see that Sarah is, is playing footsie with him under the table. And Jez thinks that this isn't very Nat King Cole, but he's getting hard on anyway, like the horny Christmas elf he is. Um, uh, Hans starts pouring everybody some more wine, and, and Dan is just, you know, she he covers Pam's glass, and he says, I think Pam and I will take a break till lunch after Hans, or till, we'll take a break till after lunch, Hans. And then he looks at his wife, and he says, isn't that right, darling? And she just says... If you say so. <laughs> I and... really want to know the backstory here as to why Pam's not allowed any more wine. Well, I think it's just his way of, of controlling how much she drinks. Yeah, but why? What's she done pissed up on Christmas before that she's uh, that she can't be allowed to continue drinking all day? No, I think it's just him being a dickhead. I mean, is that how you read it, Keelan? Uh, I would imagine partly yes, but knowing... Yeah, I I think it probably she probably did have issues in the past because it wouldn't surprise me. Even dickheads don't go. You can't have any wine because I'm controlling you. It usually has to do with some awkward family history. Yeah, I reckon there's a terrible story there. Yeah, um, it, uh, Dan is inspecting the bottom of the sprouts to see if there's little crosses at the bottom. Jeremy says they're definitely there. Mark agrees, and Dan says, definitely not. <laughs> and then... Uh, go ahead, sorry. And Mark thinks, Truth and Reconciliation Commission after this full inquiry, Savile, not Hutton, which really makes me laugh, because, of course, that's how Mark thinks of everything. First of all, we've got to ask Sean about this, because this is very interesting. Yep, I know who Jimmy Savile yes, okay. is. Yeah. You know about yeah, Savile, not, you know about him. I don't know about, about Hutton, personally. I don't know how I've, that's passed me by, but... Yeah, Jimmy Savile's a... The news of his nonsense has even got as far as America, clearly. So at this point, Dan is, you know, he's really enjoying the the gravy, and he says the gravy is tickety-boo, which again just goes to show that tickety-boo is a Corrigan family expression. (laughs) Um, But he says that the gravy might be a little too thick for, for Pam because she likes her liquids highly diluted. And Mark just thinks to himself, well, we're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> um, Sarah then goes on to explain to the non-family members that uh, Pam wanted to be a homeopath, but according to their dad, the family couldn't afford it. Um, and Mark tries to change the subject here by saying, I know it's not normal, but we could put the telly on while we're, we're eating our dinner. And Sarah just ignores him and pushes on anyway. Uh, and Mark said, uh, Dan says that they couldn't afford for Pam to become a magic water wizard. <laughs> it was just a fad. And Pam says very sadly, it was a great deal more the than a fad. The pain in Pam's and, voice uh, is um, heartbreaking here, I swear <laughs> to God. Yeah. And uh, Mark, still attempting to change the conversation, says, well, Jeremy might have let us down a bit with the turkey, but he has redeemed himself with this delicious <laughs> bread sauce. And Pam says, well, you had enough to buy a sports car. And the row continues as... Uh, as Dan explains that they, the MG would have been sold for scrap. Don't bring the MG into it. And okay, Mark Clarkson. says, Ratatouille's on in a minute. Yeah, Ratatouille's on in a minute. It's meant to be amazing. And Superhand says, yeah, fair play. It's fucking good. That is one of my favourite <laughs> Superhand's quotes, by the way. <laughs> uh, Davi continues to kind of poke the bear a little bit. And she says, oh, secondhand MG. That had to be a couple of grand. Yeah, and... and um, 
and uh, Dan says in a really sort of steely way, it was a good deal on a good car. Missy. How to spot a sexist 101 in Do They Call You a Missy? Yes. Yeah. Draw, <laughs> draw in a line under this conversation. Dan makes it clear that she shouldn't continue. If she goes any further, there's going to be trouble. Yeah. Has Have you ever been called Missy? Not by your parents, because I'm sure your parents at some point were like, Ooh, settle down, um, Missy. But has anybody not related to you ever called you Missy? I'm sure they have. I've been, I've spent about 30, nearly 33 years being pretty cheeky. So I imagine at some point I have I been. I know called I called Missy. a teacher that once I... when I was 12, which, but to be fair, I was 12. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I think the equivalent in teaching is if a child calls you something that's not missed. So the other day I had some back talk where a kid said to me, What are you talking about, bruv? <laughs> and I said, Are you. I didn't say, are you fucking serious? I said, are you serious? Step outside. I think that's the, the teacher equivalent of this being called bro okay. in this day and age. <laughs> um, Pam kind of tries to de-escalate the situation by asking Dobby if she got any good Christmas presents this year. And um, Dobby says, well, my boyfriend brought me some nice kitchen tongs. And Jeremy goes, <laughs> thinks to himself, two for one, nice work, Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> and then Mark... Mark tries to save face a little bit here, and he says, that wasn't the only present he got you, was it, Dobby? As I recall, oh, yeah, he... Um, and then she says, oh, yeah, he bought me something gold, but it's in the post. And then Mark continues, and he says, look, I'm sure Dobby's boyfriend could have strolled into Argos and got a bog-standard bracelet from a spotty Saturday girl, but maybe he wanted to get something special with a bit of engraving, and that would cause a delay. And at this point, uh, Dan says... Touched a nerve. Something's afoot. Shall I see if I can winkle it out with my winkle pickers? I really love the way he says hello in this very sort of scenery <laughs> chewing way. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's proper creepy. And Mark just admits it. He says, look, I'm the bracelet bastard. Dobby's my girlfriend. I'm sorry I didn't mention it before. But we're an item. She's great. It's going really well. And she might appear to you norms like a bit of a freak, but I don't care. And Jeremy thinks he shoots, he scores, he calls his teammate a freak. <laughs> Do you think Dobby was as offended about this as Jeremy was? Because you can tell she's sort of like, oh, as soon as he says that. But I'm not 100% sure if she did take it badly or not. She, it seems to be after this that things go worse. I'm not sure this is what, no, I'm not sure this is what's offended Dobby. No, I don't think so. But you, you can yeah. tell there's a subtle change in her <laughs> face when he says freak. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is also that she's, like, started to hit her boiling point. Yeah. Yeah, she's had enough, understandably. Um, then, um, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> if Dan says, where's the cauliflower? Um, and, and, uh, that cauliflower is traditional. And Dobby then says, I don't know if it actually is traditional. And that is when Dan as the immortal line, could you not slip a muzzle on your woman, please, Mark? And I've often thought about this line because I try to put myself in this position. Like, if my dad had said, you know, could you slip a muzzle on your on Nicole? And I really don't... I, I think that Mark's reaction here is somewhat genuine, where he says, I notice I'm not saying anything. <laughs> and then he just utters this line where he goes, uh... And then he thinks to himself, still not saying anything, nothing is coming. But, I mean, to stand up to your dad like that... It's an awkward situation. I don't know, I mean... 
That'd be super awkward. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to say, as the female half here, I would, if my father-in-law said that to me, I would fully expect my husband to tell him to fuck and that's to- off. So that I is think totally that- fair, and I would probably want to stand up for myself and, and my partner, but I just wouldn't probably... Uh, I can't, yeah, a, I can understand Mark's that I sort wouldn't of... be able to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can understand Mark's shock here. Um, so Dobby just stands up. She says, you'll have to excuse me. Thank you. This has all been horrible. And she leaves the room. Yeah. Um, Mark uh, <laughs> follows after her and um, Dan just says, or excuse me, uh, Jeremy just says, how about Pictionary after lunch? And uh, Dan says, we're not playing Bleeding Pictionary. It's a made-up game. Um, I think that is, this is my favourite line of the episode. Um, and I was talking to someone on Twitter uh at Joe's Red Flag, and we were having a conversation about what a great line this is because, yeah, of course, it's a made-up game. All games are made up, Dan, you twat. Yeah, I never, I, I never understood what he was actually talking about, but now I get it. That's actually a I think really he just clever means joke. It's not, yeah, it's not a traditional game, but you know, it's as we said, Christmas is subjective, but clearly, Pictionary is not part of Dan's business. <laughs> Maybe Pictionary um, like had a fight with his mother or something as a child. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, uh, says that she's gonna fuck off to the Dorchester, and she asks Mark if he wants to come or not, and he says, "Sorry, I can't." You know, they're my parents, and he asks he asks her to stay, and he says he'll grow some balls later, and a backbone, and then we can have backbone and ball stew all Boxing Day. You can't just leave. What am I gonna tell them? Uh, and then Dobby says that tell them I got sectioned or I had some violent masturbating to do and Mark thinks they'd probably believe that I don't know if that says more about his family or about Dobby's personality in general I have no idea to be quite frank (laughs) (laughs) Um, while all this is going on Sarah slides over to Jeremy and she says what do you say Jeremy shall we do it if he's so naughty they'll be next door having turkey and we'll be in there quietly humping but Jez doesn't want to have Christmas sex. Do we think he doesn't want to have Christmas sex with Sarah, or just doesn't want to have sex on Christmas? Period. I think it's probably a mix. I think he. I think he thinks. Yeah, I think he thinks that Christmas sex is somehow in violation of Christmas. I think that's what's going on here. I think that's the main thing. But to be fair, maybe this is a turn on for a lot of men. But personally, I don't know how quietly humping while the family are talking in the other room goes for me that's a bit much for me yeah i think it's got more to do with sarah's daddy issues or something that she suggested this <laughs> um and then sarah's like kind of offended and uh she says what are you religious now do you believe in jesus and jeremy says no of course i don't believe in jesus but i do believe in christmas i'm a christmasist <laughs> wow and then he thinks to himself, wow, I did it. I resisted something for something else. That was something. And then he looks at Mark, very proud with this shit-eating grin on his face, and he says, hey, Mark, guess what? I was just offered sex, and I turned it down. <laughs> yeah, he's a real hero. And Mark says, congratulations. And Jeremy proudly says he did it for Father Christmas. And then Mark thinks, he probably thinks Father Christmas died for our sins. <laughs> That I think that can be is confirmed that all three of us love this line equally. <laughs> I think uh, this is proof if proof we needed that I think Jeremy does believe this and Jeremy is the biggest moron <laughs> known to man. How how has that never been made a shirt? Father Christmas died for our sins. <laughs> I really want to Okay, so 
I don't Fuck. know if you noticed okay, I'm this, sending Laura. A, I'm was... sending a DM to Matt King right now. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, I was actually in London recently. Um, I was in the UK in general. I had a day in London. And I walked past... I don't know if you saw this on, on Easter in general, but it was around Easter time. And they happened to have a, a sort of reenactment of the crucifixion. Oh, yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah. But I reckon... That would have been very interesting if they decided to make Santa on the cross. <laughs> I don't know. I really would have preferred to have seen that. Oh god, there's gonna we're gonna have religious groups tweeting us now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have anything against religious people. I just think it's very easy to make jokes about anything. Yeah. Um. So as they walk back into the as Mark walks back into the living room, Pam looks at him and says, "We heard the door. What happened?" Um, Mark says that Dobby is gone and Dan says well good riddance to bad rubbish you can do a lot better than that Marco and then this is where Mark just kind of s- decides to stand up for himself it would have been he nice for him to do this anger. about five minutes earlier yeah um, he says actually no she's great and I'm a dick so I was punching well over my weight so I don't think I can do better actually <laughs> This is one of my favourite Mark lines because um, one of my personal favourite movies, I'm aware it's based on a book, and the book is actually very British, but I haven't read the book, is High Fidelity. Okay, then... And my favourite thing about that film, this is a weird comparison, is the fact that the character does horrible things, but is so self-aware when it comes to his limits. Yes, that's true. And that is one of the few moments Mark is like that when he goes... There's no excuse for my actions, but at least I know it. You don't see that from Mark often, and I, it makes him more sympathetic here, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm just in shock that you've liked the film and you've not read the book, because the book is... I, mean, I hate to go I've heard the book teacher. is a lot better. The book, I mean, the film is really good, but the book is really, really good. Like, you should... It's not a long book. Go I will read the read book. It. it was just... It was something where I was in high school when I first saw the film. One of uh, so I just never bothered. best roles. Going to put that out there. Easily. Yeah. You mean you haven't seen Evil Dead 2 yet? <laughs> it's my favourite movie. Uh, you, it's great. Mm, it's a great or Evil movie. Dead 2 or High Fidelity. Both of both. I Why think, not both? Yeah, I, I think, love both of those I think movies. I know the answer to that question, sure. Why, why the fuck did we start talking about Evil Dead? I'm sorry. Because <laughs> in High Fidelity, there's, there's Jack Black says what you haven't seen Evil Dead. So you haven't oh, seen Jesus Evil Christ. Dead 2 yet. That's okay. Not, We'd yeah, gone on a the entire conversation in that movie about <laughs> Evil Dead 2. Oh, son of a bitch. Okay. You actually really appreciate it, Sean. Oh, all right. Uh, Keelan, if you ever want to talk about the Evil Dead movies, I will I will be your guy. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Dan, at this point, asks for some ham, and Mark says, oh, you want ham? Well, you're going to get ham, and he just starts dropping it in the shredder. And then uh, Mark's dad says, well, what, think about what you're doing to the mechanism, and... Mark is pouring gravy and all sorts of shit in the shredder. Yeah, uh, he says it's fine, Dad. And Dan says, somebody stop him, he's gone totally mad. And uh, and then he says, right, well, I'm going to go make myself some cauliflower. And they, he sort of, Dan kind of gives him a steely look and moves towards him. And Mark thinks, oh, no, is Daddy coming to get me? And then he just leaves the room and he thinks, no, I've won. That is honestly, after having years of, you know, I, Robert Webb talks about this in length, but as a male, one of the most satisfying things ever 
is when you're about to have the confrontation and nothing happens, but you feel so proud <laughs> that you stood your ground anyway. I can admit I've rarely ever stood my ground and just run away, but <laughs> but when it when it actually goes well and there's no confrontation, that is wonderful. Um, and Mark thinks, Sakuna Matata, I'm the new Lion King. Yeah, I would feel the same way in this situation. <laughs> um, and then uh, Mark, realizing that he is finally the king of his domain, says... Hands, pour my mother a massive drink. Jeremy, turn on Ratatouille. Sarah, crack opening Pictionary. Merry Christmas, Mark, everybody. <laughs> it's a feel-good ending, isn't and it? It does make me feel great. alive when he does that, when he finally takes charge of his own ship. Yeah, it's great. Um, Yeah, so... And cuts uh, credits, basically. Yeah, yep, five, that's five it. Sitter. Yeah. All right, yeah. So that's a that was a very great, very classic episode. Uh, let's see, Laura. So, where do you have this in your list? Mm. Yeah, let me get my list because sometimes you ask me other questions about the list. I know where it is, but yeah, go on. Uh, are there any open numbers in the twenties that we haven't talked about yet? There are several. Okay, have we done? Uh, let's see here. Have we talked about 17? No. I'm going with 17. It isn't 17. You were closer with your 20s. It's number 24. Ah. Uh. So quite a strong... Oh, shush, you two. Why are you back? Um, so quite a, quite, a, quite a strong episode in my top third episodes. I think this is a great episode. Um, even though some of the... Cultural references, I don't quite get. I can just get the overall, you know, gist of it. Yeah, for me, it is that the cultural references is the absolute joy of this episode for me. If you took that out, it would lose so much because, and that's probably why you don't love this episode as much as me, Sean, because I just think this is the most accurate representation of Christmas probably I've ever seen. The Office Christmas special is great, but that's more character based. Yeah. I love the Only Fools and Horses Christmas specials, but that's very idealistic. This is the British show that nails the uncomfortable aspect of Christmas, <laughs> Christmas traditions in this country better than anything I've ever seen. All I'm hearing about Christmas in America is it's just much better than my Christmas is. Like, whenever you talk about Christmas, Sean, it's like, oh, it sounds good. Ours is just sort of a 10-day tension-fueled drink-a-thon, basically. That is what Christmas is in England. Oh, yeah, see, over here, Christmas is a wonderful, magical time. Uh, well, I have I have seen It's a Wonderful Life, so I just I just imagine that's what it's like. You've got That movie's amazing. And, People forget how yeah, good that movie is. Your nieces are just saying, Uncle Sean, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings, and you've got a tear in your eye, and it's just generally, that's, that's <laughs> Christmas to you. Oh, yeah, my little nieces, uh, <laughs> man, they go, they go crazy for Christmas. Esther, what are you? So, so my younger daughter is now got a hand in the desk drawer. She doesn't know what she wants. She just wants to be part of this podcast. You're gonna take that pencil. Are you? What are you gonna do with it? <laughs> I think we should keep that last ten seconds in. That oh. will cement Esther as the star of the show. The star of the show. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. It's I try. I try to edit Esther and Sadie out as little as possible. <laughs> 
Yeah, the, so this cute. is just this is gold material. For <laughs> this is this is what happens when you podcast with a parent, Keelan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't do it at ten it's in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so it, it doesn't surprise me. It's just it's just kind of yeah. very enjoyable. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why their dad's just letting this happen. He's completely. Is he falling asleep down there? Is that what's happened? <laughs> um. So with that, uh, Keelan. Uh, is there any, do you, what are your kind of part, well, I guess you kind of gave us your parting thoughts on this episode. Where does, where does this episode fall for you in your all-time peep show ranking? Yeah, is this your very favorite episode? I wouldn't say it's my very favorite because it's very farcical. I think, really, go to the first four seasons and you'll find most of my favorite episodes, which have already been done, which doesn't upset me, don't worry. But if we're to pick a latter-day peep show episode... This is my favourite. It just resonates so much. But if I was to pick a favourite, uh, maybe Wedding 2. I, I love how morbid and dark it is. <laughs> that was one of my favourite ones that we did. Yeah, well, that was that's my number six uh, Wedding Series 2. So it's, it's high up on my list as well. Have we talked about your number one, Laura? Uh, yes, we have. Oh, no, you you have. It was in Series Oh, is it? Yeah, you, you did it before I came along. It's the beginning of series two. Jeremy makes it. It's my favorite. Oh, okay. Actually, yes, the first two episodes of series two, I take it back. Those are my two favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, me as well, but those were the first two that I ever saw. So it's, you I mean, know. Two shy. And my number two, actually, is uh, from series one, which is Funeral. Uh, I oh. love that episode as well, because yes. it's just weird as fuck. Uh, but otherwise, they're later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But otherwise, they are later on my top ten, so... No. We've not talked about it. most of them, yeah. Before you sign off, yeah. Keelan, tell everybody where we can find your wonderful podcast. Oh, of course. So it's on SoundCloud. I have not franchised out to iTunes and other media yet, but I would, given how long and convoluted my podcast name is, if you can't find it, just search Keelan Wood on with a space on um, SoundCloud. If you can't spell my name, which is fine, most people can't, it's K E. L A N and then Wood without an S. Uh, but we can you can find on SoundCloud and uh, I, I've been trying to share the episodes on our Twitter account. So if you are looking for them, um, you can tweet we'll us. We'll find your all. Twitter and yeah, we'll put it in the yeah. when, when you put out the episode. We put Keelan's Twitter in it so people can find it. And um, it's not up yet. It will be up in a fortnight or two. But I have already done an episode with Sean about uh, Peep Show in general. So there you have it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, when's that one coming out? Do you have an idea? It should be. Uh, well, the, that's the f- the episode after next episode, so it'll be in like four weeks probably. Okay. When that comes out, we'll definitely put that on our Twitter as well, yeah. so people can find it. Cool. Yeah, Ke- Keelan and I recorded one recorded a podcast once. Um, my audio was all fucked up for some reason, so we had to re-record <laughs> it. Um, so this is like the third podcast Keelan and I have done together. So <laughs> I'm sorry for cheating on you, Laura. <laughs> That's okay. I, I can live with it. So with that, Keelan, you have a great day, sir. Thank you so much for your, you know, supporting us on Patreon. You're, you pay for our hosting every month. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Keelan. Cheers. Cheers. Have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, Keelan. Bye. Bye. We can kind of talk about what's going to be happening with the show, like, here soon, because we've kind of made some decisions about it.
starting with our car share episode, um, our car share episode that we're going to be recording on Monday, May 28th is going to be coming out under our new podcast name, which is uh, British Television Invasion. So that'll be the first episode in that series. Um, it should still be in the same RSS feed. Like you shouldn't have to subscribe to anything new. Yeah, I think um, we're just gonna have them running concurrently, aren't we? Until yeah. we until we reach the point that we finish with Peep Show and move on to the Inbetweeners. Yeah, um, starting with Inbetweeners, uh, well, all of the car share episodes that we do are going to be coming out under British Television Invasion. Um, but once we start doing Inbetweeners, we're going to officially change our name over to that. Um, and yeah, um, nothing is going to change. We're still going to be releasing on the same schedule. It's going to be the same witty banter that you come to expect. Um, yeah, we are, we'll just be talking about a different show. Yeah. And I think it's good that we're going to be changing the name to British Television Invasion because it won't really like pigeonhole us into one show. We can kind of expand out and do other shows and, you know. Yeah, to be fair, be... I mean, that's what we've been doing. We've For a long time now, we've talked about different programs. And I think now that this is going to be, uh, it'll be interesting with CarShare to kind of talk about something else just for a whole episode, talk about something else, and then it'll give us a bit of practice for when we kind of move on. Uh, but I'm going to try and um, use Twitter to kind of promote what we're going to be doing. We, did we estimate it was going to be like the end of August that we're going to be start talking about the in-betweeners so that we can drum up a bit of interest before we do it and people know what's coming next? Yeah, it'll be roughly end of August when we start in-betweeners. Yeah, and I think there are a lot. There's a lot of crossover. A lot of uh, Peep Show fans who are also in between us fans. So I think that there'll be uh, a lot of people already that listen to us that will be interested to listen. But I think as well that there's the potential for maybe some new listeners uh, as well. So it'll be really interesting to uh, yeah get on Twitter and just get the word out. Forgive me if we talked about this last week. Did we talk about what we're going to be doing for the car share finale? Uh, I can't remember if we talked. I think we did briefly mention what we were going to do with Carshare, um, which is to watch it together and to... Uh, yeah, we mentioned it. I don't think we went into detail. So do you want to explain? Yeah, okay. So what we're going to be doing for the Carshare finale is that Laura and I are going to be getting together. We're going to be watching the episode in real time and we're going to be uh, commenting. We're going to be commenting on it. And so it'll be like a director's commentary. You'll be able to sync it up to the episode and you'll be able to hear what Laura and I say in real time. Um, Laura, I think, will probably have watched the episode once when we record. Um, I'm going to be coming in... Uh, I'm going to be coming in unprepared for it. Or not, well, not unprepared for it, but like unaware of what happened. So any tears you hear me shed will <laughs> be genuine and in real time. Yeah, so I think I'm going to watch it when it broadcasts at 10 o'clock with my husband. And then you should be back from work as sort of at the time it ends. And then I'm going to rewatch it again straight after with you is the yeah. plan, I think. And I finished Car Share over the week or over the weekend. And oh my God, I just... Oh fuck! What a amazing show. Yeah, I told you the ending is just like it just it just is a killer. Like I is no exaggeration when I said in my blog post that I was crying so hard that my husband couldn't hear the end credit music. I was just a wreck. It just absolutely ended me. Oh man! When uh in episode series two episode two. Uh, by the way, I did not know that um. 
Conlith, uh, Conlith Hill, uh, I would not have realized that that was him under Elsie's makeup unless I had seen you mention it on Twitter. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I only know because other people were saying, but it's, I hear that he looks really different. <laughs> but that accent that he used, I don't know if that's his actual accent or if he was, uh, um, like, putting it on, but the accent that Elsie has, I was dying, and I was so thankful that I had subtitles so I could understand what the fuck she was saying. Yeah, I, oh, Keelan's just said on, um, he's just written on the Zencaster that it was second to the original Office finale for him, devastation-wise. I think it was worse than that, because at least the Office is a happy ending. The, the ending to this is just oh. fucking awful. Uh, I guess we can probably, we're going to be in, in car share spoiler mm. territory here, but um, in Series 2, when Kaylee looks at him and she's like, are you happy with me? And he's like, yeah. And they lean over to kiss, and then the goddamn phone rings. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was like, that's... I was like, are you and... fucking tickling my balls here? Like, seriously? <laughs> the other one that bit that really gets me is when they're in the car um, and they're on the drive back from the safari park, I think. Or is it? No, it's not. It's in the last episode and they're holding hands and he says that he loves, he just loves it. And she says, what? And he's like this, us singing, like being together and you think he's going to say it and he doesn't say it. And it's like, oh my God, why, why are you doing this to me, Peter Kay? Oh, uh, yeah, I, my heart, my heart hurt in so many, you know, especially because, like, series one, I felt, didn't really, um, uh, didn't really push the, um, like, the love angle. No, it creeps up on you, doesn't it? It it creeps up on you right at the end of that episode six, but the series two is just all about the love. Yeah, and I think series two is definitely the more emotional half. I mean, like the episode, um, the episode where they, you know, where John skips out on work to go to the car safari was incredible. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I was like you, Laura, and I'm glad that I, you know, it's weird because I didn't watch the show from the beginning, um, but I was just like say the fucking words john just <laughs> you obviously feel it i know that you've been burned but kaylee's not gonna burn you she no, loves she, you she loves you she loves you and um yeah just the oh and i tell you what else gets me real real in the in the heart is just before he doesn't doesn't declare his love for her and when he's trying to get her to listen to the radio when they're playing praying for time by george michael which is a really sad song anyway and George Michael is now dead, and you know that he's he's waiting to to say what he feels for her, and she says it instead. And I can't hear that song now without getting really tearful. You know, as has been well established on this podcast, I am not a music person. I'm not really a music fan. I don't listen to a lot of music, but the way that music is integrated into that show, I think, is what makes it even better. Yeah, is is. It's amazing the way the music is integrated into the show, both in the way it enhances the comedy and, like I just said, in the more emotional moments, the way it manages to to enhance those as well. We can confirm that the finale watch-along podcast is not going to be the only car share-related uh, content that we're going to have coming out. Um, we can't really talk about what's going to happen down the pipe for car share because we don't really know, but... Um, 
but just rest assured we are going to have more car share related content coming down yeah we've got we've got a little uh something special coming up so when we know more and we've we've organized stuff then we can let you know yes uh ooh, ooh. <laughs> trust ooh. me it's not it's not uh peter k <laughs> no if only but um no we've got some we've got we've got something pretty special up our sleeves so looking forward to that yeah Oh, I'm just, I'm so glad that you introduced me to this show. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad you like it as much as I like it, because it is just, it is such a special, like, sweet little thing that is, I feel like the whole world should know about it, and it shouldn't just be, like, this little gem tucked away on, on BBC One, and, and for so long it was just a little gem tucked away on iPlayer, and not enough people knew about it, so I hope that, I hope that it word spreads, and I hope it does get an airing on BBC America. Yeah, I I tweeted BBC and I uh uh also roped in at BBC America and I was like, "Come on guys, play the show. Like, <laughs> fuck, come on. Make it happen. Put some subtitles, subtitles. on it, but make it happen." Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, well, so anyways, that's uh we're kind of at the end of this mammoth monster podcast. Uh And you should really go back to bed, I think. Yeah, I'm going to try to go to sleep for a couple hours or so and see what happens. Um, You will probably be hearing these episodes out of order because the car share watch along, I'm going to be trying to get out on the same day um, just because there's going to be a lot of people interested in that. And then this episode will be coming out on Wednesday. Cool. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. And yep. yeah, this is the LD Brothers podcast signing off. Eh. 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 <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See you later. Bye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. I, yeah, 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 yeah,